Hello and welcome to The Hill is Always Greener, a show where four friends have chill discussions about Sonic the Hedgehog because they are old and it's the only thing that brings them pleasure anymore. <laughs> I am Cyberlink. I'm Game Buddy. I'm Rock the Jake. And I'm Falero. So yeah, how are you guys doing? Any Sonic-y stuff happening this past week? Yeah, I had a little bit. I'm uh, all caught up with the, the IDW Sonic graphic novels. I just finished uh, number 10, which I think came out uh, fairly recently. And that um, completes the the first story arc featuring Belle, who I ended up really liking. I, uh, you know, I follow all the social media, and so, like, I know about the characters without too many spoilers because I don't follow the, the single issues. Um, but I... I really like her she's very adorable i love i think uh evan confirmed that she has a little bit of like a uh you know a northern uh, minnesota fargo accent and that really comes through (laughs) in the writing and it's it's very charming but um without like going into too many spoilers like i'm so delighted and surprised the seemingly one-off gag of Eggman having amnesia as a helpful handyman tinkerer and being, you know, the nice guy uh, before snapping out of it and becoming his evil self again has had such like lasting emotional consequences for multiple characters. Like it becomes a defining personality trait for Sonic in the Metal Virus arc to where, you know, in so many words, people are like, Sonic, you're going to have to, like, take Eggman down forever. Like, (laughs) basically ask him, like, saying, it's kind of doing the Batman thing. It's like, you know, if you had (laughs) just murdered Eggman, like, none of this would have happened. (laughs) Not explicitly. And he's like, no, man, like, I know there's good down inside of him. I've seen it. I believe it's real. And that's not part of me that's going to ignore that. And that kind of comes back with Bell. Um where that is the version of Eggman she knows, and it's very, like, uh, emotionally damaging to learn that he's not that person anymore. Um, so it's just, man, good stuff, good stuff. Can't can't yeah. wait for more. It is funny. Like, we have seen, like, other glimpses of this kind of... The, the, the legacy of Mr. Tinker. I think it was during the Metal Virus arc that Sonic, like, mentioned the whole Mr. Tinker thing, and Eggman almost had a moment of being like, hmm, actually, maybe that wouldn't have been so bad. Yeah. So this is yeah. living in that little village, the helping people out. He kind of he kind of revisits that when he finally meets Bell uh, via video screen. Mm-hmm. Instead of being contemplative like that, he explains his whole plan where he's like ripped a hole. He's basically created his own little pocket zone to do horrible experiments in, and then just ends it with saying like, "Now does that sound like something Mister Tinker would do, little girl?" And it's oh man, it's just it's nasty <laughs> nasty he's a he's a bad bad man but you can tell he's he's doing it on purpose <laughs> yeah this kind of makes me wonder what the end game is for eggman in the idw comics because the way you mention it it's almost like damn batman you have to kill the joker <laughs> yeah <laughs> just pull the trigger tails yeah <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> oh man we a man again highly recommended uh, it's actually been a pretty Sonic-heavy week on my end. Uh, I did a rewatch of the live-action movie with some friends because they hadn't seen it, and you know that's got me all excited again for the new one and that comes out. Uh, I got my hands on the complete series release on Blu-ray of Sonic Boom, so mm. adding more fuel to the get every Sonic TV show on Blu-ray fire. We're halfway there. 
that beautiful steelbook. Oh, the steelbook is so good. Like, shout out to Adam Bryce Thomas for the phenomenal artwork. I am very jealous. I, I have the two plain cased volumes by themselves. I wish I'd just waited for that steelbook. <laughs> Man, I just can't wait for the next inevitable release. And you know what's going to be. Triplet spawn, a throne awaits. <laughs> yeah, a single horns on the deadly vein. Yeah, if they put it. out Underground before they manage to re-release Sat AM, I'm going to backflip into the sun. <laughs> hey, but more people will be happy. It's got its fans. <laughs> uh, but every aspect of the Sonic franchise has its fans. It, it that does. That's a beautiful part about it. <laughs> like I, I've already accepted we're probably not going to get a re-release of the OVA anytime soon, so you know, I'll take what I can get at this point. And then uh, the one last thing is that since it just got added to PlayStation Plus this month, I finally went and revisited Team Sonic Racing for the first time like since it came out. Wow. I still wish I liked that game more than I do. I, you know, it's never been able to click with me. And that, maybe that's because I haven't like played it multiplayer, which is where I feel like the game probably shines the most. But... I don't know, just something about that game. And as, as someone who really liked, you know, All-Stars Racing and Transformed, it feels like a step back in a lot of ways. Like, I think that the team stuff is interesting, but it doesn't feel great when you're, like, doing a really good job racing, but you ultimately end up losing the race because your AI teammates are just not pulling their weight. It, I don't know, it's it's unfortunate. It feels like a lesser game anyway, because it lacks the Sega superstars that made it interesting to begin with, like uh, in the Transformed series and so forth. It really is hard not to think of it that way. It's, it's kind of very similar in my mind to the fact that we got Forces after Generations, is we got Team Sonic Racing after uh, Transformed, is it's like, okay, this is like a solid middle-of-the-road five out of ten game <laughs> maybe if you want to use arbitrary numbers but the fact that it came after like such a better title just really cements it as like being mediocre it, it it's hard to, it's hard to say any aspect of it is incredibly bad but it's just not what it could have been Oh no, Zavok is in it, so that's incredibly bad. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's got the almost universal sonic caveat of at least the music is good Yes. Huh. Yeah, the music is good. The writing is pretty good. I was going to say, I think I'm warming up to Zavik because I also read the Bad Guys uh, IDW miniseries. Yeah. And he's, yeah. Man, he's, he's pretty cool in that. I like how he's uh, very smarter than he looks, <laughs> especially when it comes to dealing with Starline. So the, the Zeddy are warming up to me in that, that medium, at least. It's just weird how you give, like, boring characters a good writer and they can, like, take this blank slate and make something out of them. You kind of <laughs> gotta make the most with what you got. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of making the most. <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it. You beat me to it. So, yeah, uh, for this episode, kind of similar to the book club approach we took last time, uh, we wanted to jump to another piece of extended media for the Sonic franchise and do a recap of one of the few like proper arcs that we got for the Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon. The only one, in fact. Uh, the Quest for the Chaos Emeralds arc. This was the 48th through 51st episodes of the show. Originally aired the 26th through 29th of October, 1993. And this was one of the few times where they really like 
dug in on trying to do something from the games, which was not something that happened a lot in Adventures, at least. Yeah, I think we mentioned there is some surprising continuity in the show, like old characters like Breezy, Robotnik Jr., the bears <laughs> come back in other episodes. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, I think this is the only one that is straight up like a four part story. Yeah. Which is something you didn't really see a lot in syndicated shows just because it's like, well, all these episodes are going to air out of order nine times out of 10 anyway. So yeah. trying to dedicate yourselves to a multi-parter is tricky to say the least. We got us. We actually had a VHS release over here in the UK that contained yeah. all those episodes. But they sort of edited them together into like a movie, which works in a way. I think that that actually works surprisingly well. Like I had forgotten that most of the episodes like lead into one another relatively well. Each of the four episodes has a very tried and true, almost villain of the week formula. It, it's kind of like the classic sitcom thing of like everything has to go back to zero, even though it is a continuing story. They they even do at the uh once the story gets started, like the same character comes in and explains what's happening, like just in case kids tune in and you know, miss the first episode. And the main characters are always doing the same thing at the beginning of the episode. Uh, yeah. It's literally verbatim, like, oh my goodness, Sonic, here's what's happening. So yeah, if you wanna if you wanna watch these episodes, they are available for free legal streaming on sites like YouTube and Tubi, but we highly recommend watching the new Discotheque Blu-ray set if you have it, because it's easily the best these episodes have ever looked. No Must question. be nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish you guys could get that too. One day. Luke One day. says as he cuddles with his steelbook lovingly. In bed. <laughs> it makes me feel cozy! <laughs> that, that, is, that is how I rewatch these, and not only do they look really good... It's hard to describe, uh, unless you you have an ear for it, just how much better these episodes sound on these Blu-rays. The sound is like the original stereo archived masters, and it's kind of great to be able to crank up your speakers and hear Long John Baldry's uh, Robotnik come bursting out of them oh, in man. crystal clear. Oh, I would have <laughs> yeah. binaural Robotnik. That's what I'm fear for. Especially, especially if you're used to just watching, like, two Disney rerun uploads on YouTube. Like, what a difference. Yeah. <laughs> Which, it, like you said, I think the, the, the what is it, Wild Brain is the, yeah. the company that owns, like, the official rights. They do have, like, official uploads that are, are pretty good. I think there's, like, two separate versions. Uh, as long as you find those on YouTube that were uploaded within, like, the last three years. Those are those are okay versions, completely yeah. watchable. I, I I watched the uh, the Wild Brain episodes, uh, getting ready for this for this podcast episode that we're doing, and the I mean the quality was fine. Like it, it it's in like a sort of HD and it's progressive and all that, but like it did kind of remind me of back in the day, like stumbling upon it on TV at a friend's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the the early days of Wild West YouTube, where they'd be uploaded in three parts, in oh nine gosh, minutes. Yeah. That's how I 38 watched a lot of seconds each. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, I did some digging on these episodes. All four parts were written by Jeffrey Scott, who is an old school animation writer who's been working since the 70s, still working today actually. Wow. Uh, oh wow. He wrote a bunch of, he wrote for a bunch of stuff like the 80s Spider-Man cartoons, Super Friends, Hanna-Barbera, Pac-Man, Ninja Turtles. Almost wrote the uh pilot for the original Transformers, but the folks from our generation would probably know him best as the developer and most frequent writer on the original Muppet Babies cartoon. 
Oh my oh, god! Wow. wow, this dude like literally wrote our childhoods. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely responsible for a lot of stuff. Uh, there's there's a running joke for a lot of uh, animation fans where it's like you know it's a Jeffrey Scott script if it inexplicably features a bunch of kids and a dog. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that is that is his trope like look back at you know spider-man his amazing friends you know you got spider-man iceman firestar and aunt may's got a dog who's just <laughs> there all the time you can tell this guy seems pretty adaptable um yeah you can tell he likes adventure he likes romance he loves great jokes Animal dance. That's, that's for you, Davies fans. Well played. Well played. This was also like this arc was one of the only set of episodes animated by TMS, the legendary animation studio, who are probably most known for you know Lupin the Third, Detective Conan, Akira. But from mid '80s to late '90s, they did animation for a bunch of Western productions. Like at the time, AOSDH was going, they were also doing like some of the best looking episodes of Tiny Toons and Animaniacs. And I think the only other Adventures episode they did was Super Robotnik. But years later, they would go on to be the primary animation studio on a little show you might know called Sonic X. And nowadays, they go by animating uh, the Shenmue animated series, right? That's true. I think they do. There's uh, that furry line. Does uh, Sega Sammy still, like, own them? Yeah, I believe they... They bought them in like 2005 and still maintain ownership. I'd have to double check. Yeah. Also, there's the uh, Sonic Sonic Man of the Year short, if you remember that. Yeah, that was also them. That was very Tiny Toons-esque. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Goodness. That was another one that I stumbled upon. It might have been pre-YouTube. might have been like a dot uh, .mov file someone had hosted. But that, man, what what a cool little short that is. It's funny seeing them draw in, like, the classic Sonic style there that's not, like, Mohawk Sonic or anything. It's it's also a uh, kind of tangentially related to Adventures of Sonic because it has the, the Hall of the Mountain King <laughs> song throughout that. So it's, yeah, it's almost like a weird uh, Japanese-esque uh, adventures. <laughs> it, it feels like it was meant to be a pilot for something. You know, it's, it's entirely possible that Maybe Man of the Year was meant to be sort of a pilot for adventures, but when they actually like went to series, it's like, oh, wait, no, we do not have the budget to get TMS for every single episode. We're just going to yeah, call them yeah. in for whatever we can spare and get other studios <laughs> for the rest. But yeah, these these episodes do look uh, do look very good for adventures. Uh, for I, sure. I think I, I can't remember if I mentioned it before rewatching some adventures. It's very obviously has great um, storyboarding and keyframes, um, if you want to get nitty gritty. And it just seems like they did not always have the budget to fill in those uh frames all the way through so i i don't think i would go as far as to say adventures is an ugly or poorly animated show it's just yeah they they were doing their best with the budget they had it does have an unusual style to it though we'll have to say and that was part of the design yeah uh i'm not sure where exactly it was inspired by i know milton knight was like the main guy behind the design of the show but it definitely had a surreal vibe to it i think if you look at like at the backgrounds and everything they seem kind of avant-garde there's some strange yeah. like yeah. geometry and stuff in the background some of the animation style kind of reminds me and it's probably just because i've been going back and watching it recently it reminds me of uh, garfield and friends <laughs> oh man I could see Same that. time period. I can kind of see what you mean. Especially the slapstick. <laughs> Friends are there whenever you need them. 
<laughs> yeah, it kind of it 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 is hard to like peg down the like all the influences for Adventures of Sonic because obviously there is some like Looney Tunes there, but it's also yeah a lot of that uh very broad like frantic uh squash and stretch that you would see in like uh Tiny Tunes and Animaniacs and it's yeah it's hard not to just say like uh you know 90s cartoons of that era it's just weird that this show was happening and then we also had like the uh non-syndicated show of Sat- what we call sat am yeah uh, the abc sonic cartoon <laughs> uh two different yes. ends of the spectrum but jill little white is the one sticking point between them <laughs> he is the glue yeah that holds it together no uh, the goo of jill little white sticking together <laughs> Ha, gross. Anyway, let's get into the episode proper. <laughs> so, we, we jump into the story with the first part, uh, Black Bot the Pirate, episode 48. With uh, Dr. Robotnik kidnapping Professor K. Einstein, one of several very good names you're going to hear <laughs> over the course of this episode. Just uh, Gary Chalk doing his best German accent. I feel like this is like the not the only uh, German professor type character that we have in the show. If you also <laughs> include Professor von Schlemmer, yeah, uh, I don't know. They've got they just got a thing for that sort of archetype, apparently. Yeah, I did check, and apparently six of K Nine Signs' seven appearances were Jeffrey Scott episodes. So <laughs> going back to the whole love of dogs thing, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write a very smart dog. I will write the goodest boy. Who was coerced into bad. But no, uh, basically, Dr. Robotnik has coerced K. Einstein into building him a time machine because he is after the four Chaos Emeralds, each of which has its own unique power. They're all green, so they're actually emeralds instead of whatever we're calling the actual ones in the game. Now I can proceed with my cleverest plan of all time, gathering the four most important items in the history of Mobius. The all-powerful Chaos Emeralds. With them, I will possess invisibility, invincibility, immortality, and finally, the power of life itself. With the Chaos Emeralds, no one can stop me from becoming the Supreme High Robotnik. Today, Mobius. Tomorrow, the universe! Yeah, just different shapes. Um, One of them looks like the really old look, like the top-down look for the Emeralds. Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. It really makes me think that they at least looked at some game material for, (laughs) uh, for, for the designs. Because, yeah, there is. There's the emerald shape that's pretty close to how they look now and in like the the super emeralds and sonic 3 and knuckles but yeah the 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 top down like flat shape is there and then yeah there's just like a generic crystal shape and then it gets kind of weird when we get into like the powers these are supposed to have yeah the last one's kind of a glorified stalagmite uh Yeah, each of the Chaos Emeralds has a unique power. One is invisibility, one's invincibility, one's immortality, and one is power over life itself. And knuckles. It's interesting that they give these, they give them these like unique powers because there wasn't like much to work with in terms of the Chaos Emeralds uh, story-wise from the games, unless you follow like you know the uh, early Western ideas for the for the Chaos Emeralds. But yeah, they just decided to infinity stone them. That's, that's essentially what this is. <laughs> Pretty much. I yeah. I wonder. I wonder if that was inspiration. I remember at the time, uh, you know, as a, a young child on the internet, 
uh, reading lots of fanfics that would give them like elemental powers or um, what was it even early uh, STC uh, like arbitrarily decided at one time like the gray emerald was like the controller or something like that. <laughs> Before the, oh. the Master Emerald was canonized. I, I actually believed that for the longest time because STC was my growing up. Yeah. So during one of the the Knuckles raps, at one point he says, the Great Emerald power allows me to feel. I thought they were saying the Grey Emerald. I was like, whoa, oh. that's canon now. <laughs> <laughs> Vindication at last. <laughs> I'm sure, I mean, it is tempting not just to, to give the Emeralds their own little spin, just because in the games it's like, oh, you know, they're a reward. You get to see the ending splash and do supersonic. But I mean, yeah. in fiction, it's like, yeah, like, give them give them something fun to do. I, I wish that's something that they could do in like games going forward, like give each one their own power. But like we've gone so many years with the Chaos Emeralds just being like worthless until they're all together. Well, not completely worthless because Shadow uses one for Chaos Control. But then I think later on he doesn't even need it, right? Yeah, there's really nothing to distinguish between the colors in terms of their functionality. The closest we ever got is like the colored gems in Sonic shoes that do different things in uh, 06. We we kind of have uh, now with stuff like the... Um, the Phantom Ruby? Yes, the Phantom Ruby and the in the, the comics, there's also the, the warping topaz. Yeah. That, that we are hinted at like other gems having special powers and like the emeralds can be used with those. And I think that's very interesting. It's not been until fairly recently we have like an adventure where they're like oh the emeralds grant wishes and it's not till now we have like kind of a canonized like oh the emeralds are kind of like a neutral force as far as like they are not good or evil but they have like this limitless energy in them meanwhile as an stc fan they were always evil (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but we'll get into that in a future episode don't don't eat your lunch around those things (laughs) (laughs) ultimately you know after some heavy coercion kane einstein finishes the time machine for robotnik and he immediately heads back to the past to start hunting down the locations where these chaos emeralds were last seen because there's nobody knows where they are in the present if that wasn't clear it's time travel folks (laughs) very silly cartoon time travel So meanwhile, in what is going to become a recurring gag in this set of episodes, Sonic is on the beach being horny, making a (laughs) passing remark at a breezy recolor who walks by. Who then walks by with her boyfriend, who is a uh, grayscaled Sonic man (laughs) with very large (laughs) muscles. We do we do see like a, an early sample of Sonic's motivations in the sh- we just we were just briefly talking about the episode where he um where he's seduced quote unquote by a, a female character and we're seeing like yeah Sonic is Sonic likes ladies a lot in this show <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it is hard not to just see it as like another one of those looney tune you know <laughs> goofy goofy things like well of course the silly boy and blah 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 <laughs> very kind of tex avery <laughs> yeah yeah sonic's ogling is interrupted by the arrival of kane einstein who informs of robotics plot and gives him a set of atomic relativity boots that he can use to run through the time stream flash style I feel like that's pretty much the only way that really makes sense for Sonic to time travel. They get into some other methods in uh, later episodes, but if you're going to have Sonic run back in time, he needs to literally run back in time. Yeah, I I definitely like the shoes mechanic the most in all four of these episodes. 
because it just makes the most sense to me. I, I, I didn't even realize that, yeah, the, the shoes make so much sense, like harnessing sonic speed. And then the other episodes, he's just riding on like some kind of board and it's not using his own speed at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind yeah. of silly. The the boogie board is my least favorite because I'm just like, I feel like that'll just break super easy. <laughs> and I mean, I know like I, I know that like the shoes later on in this first episode get like tore up. But like, I feel like the shoes are even though they things happen to them in these episodes i still feel like they're the most secure function and secure way of time travel whereas like he gets a boogie board and he gets like a time traveling skateboard which I, I like the skateboard but they just wanted to give him more progressively extreme cool things to ride to travel through time that's what it is <laughs> yeah i wonder if somewhere deep down if they weren't like hoping and praying and crossing their fingers that they'd make toys out of all those things too <laughs> yeah yeah i could definitely see that Please, God, we need the residuals. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes me sad that we didn't get toys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sonic on his new time-traveling skateboard. Buy it now at Toys R Us. So Sonic puts on the shoes, immediately runs back after robotics. Some really good shots of uh, like Sonic running through the time stream, putting that TMS money to work. Yeah, speaking of psychedelic backgrounds. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I have to imagine that the sequence of him running around the world to run back in time is a direct like homage to richard donner superman yep <laughs> i was thinking that when i was watching it yeah and uh when they're actually in the time stream it just gives me like um oh man i actually had it on the tip of my tongue what's the name of that cartoon show with the kid and the dog and they travel through time uh peabody and sherman there's the one <laughs> Again with dogs. <laughs> yeah, I, de I, definitely, I definitely get that vibe as well. So Robotnik and his crew arrive first uh, on the ship of one Blackbeard the Pirate, who is literally just the sonic -y version of Blackbeard, like not even changing the name or anything. I, I know, it feels a little weak compared to at least the other episodes kind of try to pun up the names a little bit. Yeah, it's just it's just Blackbeard, uh, with, without quite as much backstory. Terrifying backstory, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta think that's that must be just like the most generic pirate name that a kid might recognize. Maybe for sure. That's not copyrighted in some way. <laughs> exactly, and he inexplicably knows how to use nunchucks and captains his entire ship by himself because <laughs> he's just that good a pirate, I guess. Now this this pro Blackbeard propaganda is kind of worrying. <laughs> So this is where Oda got all the ideas for making Blackbeard super OP in one piece. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have to look this up because I just immediately recognized that is uh, Jim Burns is the voice of Blackbeard, because the voice of like Dr. Light from the original Mega Man cartoon, Inferno from Beast Wars. I'm like, no, I immediately picked this up because that's just his thrust voice with a slight accent from Beast Machines. <laughs> it, my ears would be like, yep, yeah, that's it. No one steps foot on Blackbeard's ship uninvited and stays in one piece. So he's a very cool, capable pirate until Robotnik just whips out a gun and shoots him with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his uh, robo-transmogrifier ray, which is totally not a roboticizer. Yeah, this man, this really sets off some some dubious ethics at near the end of this episode because he's transforming this flesh and blood man creature into a badnik. 
Uh, all the way through, like I think we find that like, it actually makes them a full robot, as opposed to yeah. what I just learned today is that the roboticization process in SATM only transforms the outside, and they still have organs inside. Oh, that's a fun little fact for you. I don't Ooh. think I realized that either. I just saw a tweet about that earlier. Apparently, <laughs> Ben Hurst mentioned that, and that oh goodness, uh, apparently there's a certain awareness for the. People have been roboticized. I need to. I, I need to lay down for a second. Worth pointing out in this fun episode where we talk about a silly cartoon. Um, <laughs> I mean, honestly, they do a pretty good job of making Robotnik himself come off as a fair threat in this episode, at least beginning. Even if Scratch and Grounder are every once in a while, like they'll do all these scenes where Robotnik is actually fairly confident, shows off all of his, you know, evil and everything. Things go relatively well, and then they just have to inexplicably put in a shot of him slipping on a puddle so that they don't make him too sinister or too competent. <laughs> uh, Robotnik has a great line that says, I'm surrounded by defective circuitry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, I, like, I had to write that down because I was like, that's so good. And it, it goes without saying, like, the absolute delight of going back to rewatch these episodes is John Baldry as Robotnik. <laughs> yes. Just one so of the most... Perfect passionate like tone perfect oh man he's he's one of the best uh you can tell that he is having a blast every moment of playing robotnik i could listen to it all day (laughs) the silliest bottom tier episodes you're at least gonna get some good robotnik and like arguably in in these four episodes and probably a lot of adventures of sonic like as far as story structure goes the real protagonist at least for these four episodes is robotnik and the antagonist is sonic (laughs) yeah he's he just shows up to foil everything we follow robotnik the most (laughs) adventures of ivor robotnik that's the show i'm after that's the spinoff we never got (laughs) oh man that'd be kind of fun for sure i i really like the like this is about the time when sonic and tails show up and they have their you know requisite fight with Robotnik Scratching Grounder. I really like kind of the extended canon series of cannonball gags they do with uh, Sonic and the Badniks. Like, there's a lot of really good slapstick and really good Robotnik expression work. You know, once again, putting that animation to use. I really cracked up when Sonic, like, tiptoes up behind Grounder and manages to paint him Sonic Blue and (laughs) glue some spikes on him so he gets blasted with a cannonball. (laughs) And yeah, Scratch just, like, happily brings Sonic's, what he believes to be Sonic's severed head over to Robotnik. (laughs) (laughs) it's It's a really good bit. Blackbot manages to get Sonic and Tails to walk the plank, and Robotnik uses his robotransmogrifier to turn a whale into a robot that eats them, which immediately gives me Clanker from Banjo-Kazooie vibes. Yes, but that's I, I, think, me. I think we all had notes about that. <laughs> <laughs> the music that follows, which, you know, I, I understand was just based on like, oh, a sea shanty, but man, sounds like some Grant uh, Grant Kirkhope Banjo-Kazooie yep. music. Sure. Yeah, I, I also wrote down that it sounded like the music from like just the whole beach level of Banjo-Kazooie. Mm. Yeah, definitely some Treasure Trove Cove vibes. Whoa, I'm overheating. Looks like you won't be cutting us out of this robo-whale. There must be some way out of here. And there it is. Follow that cable. There's a gag I like here a lot as well, where Blackbot shows Robotnik the way to where the treasure is. And, you know, at first you see the 
image of the map and it's just a big X in the middle of the sea and you're like, well, that's kind of lazy. They couldn't even draw an island or anything. No, they cut later and it's just an island shaped like a big X. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I, I love that it's just a giant X. That's a really good gag. And it's and it's not just like a sandy X. Like there's vegetation and there's like some detail put in there, but it's, it is an island. And it's, yeah. I love it. I think this is also where uh, Scratch and Grounder are repairing the ship after their little skirmish with Sonic, but they're out of boards. And so they argue who should tell Robotnik that they're out of boards. Well, I'm not telling Robotnik we've got nothing to patch the hole with. You tell him you're his favorite robot. Oh, no, I'm not telling him he likes you best. You tell him. You're right. He does like me best. He won't get upset when I tell him. I really did not see it coming that uh, Robotnik, instead of getting mad, uh, nails Scratch to the hole in the ship. (laughs) And I feel like they went out of their way to position his body in a way that it looks like he's not crucified. (laughs) Because he gets him through both hands and both feet. (laughs) And it's very much a... (laughs) a very extreme image of you know he's a robot so it's okay yeah this will be two instances in the cartoon where scratch could potentially have got crucified uh, <laughs> but yeah. we'll get to the roman part later yeah i like that when they pull him off they still give him a limp for the next few scenes <laughs> i know yeah yeah it was kind of sad <laughs> it's like oh my goodness i was like dang robotic program these robots to feel pain <laughs> Yes. <laughs> years years before Near Automata would really dive in deep. On <laughs> yeah, Scratch and Grounder is where the real ro- the ethics of robotics came to light for the first time. This, oh, this, is, this was There's always a- Asimov's vision. And we didn't even need any sexy thigh highs on Scratch to get to that point. No, but I want them anyway. Yeah. <laughs> There's a free fan art idea for everybody. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, Scratch and Grounder, 2B and 9S. Make it happen. <laughs> Thankfully, getting swallowed by a robo-whale does not really deter Sonic and Tails as they just kind of rearrange its computer control circuits, which really seems like it should render the whale brain dead. And it's it's really dark when you actually consider, you know, the implications of where it used to, like, what it used to be. Yeah, if you try actually thinking about the the realism here, you're going to be uh, lost. <laughs> I, I know, but I can't help it. You know what? This whale has more I- functionality now. He at least seems to be in a better mood. <laughs> uh, we eventually get to the island, and uh, X marks the X marks the spot. <laughs> yep, yep. Because uh, there, there's an X on this X island. Okay, I had one. I had one question about a visual gag they do before they find the treasure chest. Is that Robotnik mentions that the island is booby trapped, and then he himself falls into some kind of trap, and then comes out of it with like. Yeah, it was the decoy that Sonic and Tails set when they found the chest first because they dug under. Is the joke that Robotnik gets feathers put on him so he looks like a booby bird? Because there's a weird, like, oh, oh he's he has, like, feathers glued to his head and had, like, his clothes ripped off. It was a really weird gag that I did not understand. <laughs> I wasn't sure. The only note I wrote down here was that the decoy turns Robotnik into some sort of weird bird thing that is probably someone's fetish. <laughs> okay yeah that, that that comes back in a later episode <laughs> like, what's the joke that's the joke it's funny <laughs> right uh, okay i'm glad i wasn't the only one confused by that yeah <laughs> maybe something got lost in like the translation from like storyboard to animation to from writing <laughs> but yeah uh sonic and tails get out the chest but Robotnik and his goons are immediately upon them, and they open the chest, only to see that 
oh no, the chest is empty. Where's the Emerald of Invisibility? Hint, 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 hint. (laughs) And Sonic's like, oh, I get it. And basically just says, okay, Robotnik, bury me alive. I'm sure this will work out fine. Sonic grabs the Emerald and there's there's a fun fight scene where Invisible Sonic fights off Robotnik and the Badniks. Like, there's some good visual humor of just the scratch and grounder getting messed up in the most absurd ways from an invisible opponent. It's a, I, I like animated sequences where they have fun with stuff like that. And speaking of very fun animated sequences, uh, I think it's either, I think it's when they first find the X, Robotnik comes up onto it and the animation goes into overdrive when he, with the squash and stretch on his face, when he's saying, at last, the chaos emerald of invisibility is mine. Yeah. His his face, like, <laughs> is just Play-Doh. And he just, like, that alone for me was, like, the highlight of the episode. Just his face contorting in all those ways. We've had a few instances of that sort of thing throughout the show. Like, in the episode we watched just recently where uh, with Breezy, there's that part where he's like, It's working! My sneaky, underhanded scheme is working! His face is just, like, wobbling all over the <laughs> yeah. place as he pronounces it yeah. well. I, I never would have thought I'd say the words, Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog Sakuga, but here we are. <laughs> Sakuga. It's not for cool fighting scenes, it's for Robotnik's face entirely. Exactly. (laughs) You want to put that money where it's going to go to the best use. Yeah. Yeah, Robotnik ultimately beats Sonic by, you know, throwing sand in his eyes. Uh, Actually, I forgot to mention that Sonic literally tears Blackbot to pieces, which again, when you consider (laughs) that he used to be flesh and blood, that's... That's real dark. He's fine now. This was a man with his own thoughts and inner life, and now he's gone. If this was the Saiyan version, then there would be blood and all sorts of... (laughs) We've confirmed that it would be the darkest scene in all of the Sonic. Like a brainstem poking out of the metal metal bucket head there. There there would be an entire... Like, if this was Archie, there would be, like, two or three issues on Sonic just kind of left to cope and, like, (laughs) whether he's truly a hero or not because he took a life. And then Tommy the fucking turtle shows up and asks, Why are you so sad, Sonic? My best friend who I've known my whole life? <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about that someday. Yeah, Robotnik gets the emerald, turns invisible, and then he steals Sonic's boots, rips them up, and escapes via the uh, time machine. So Sonic pulls a Back to the Future 2 Doc Brown, <laughs> leaves a note inside the chest for Professor K-9 Stein to find, somehow being like, Oh yeah, like... This buried chest in the middle of nowhere will somehow find its way to my scientist friend like hundreds of years in the future and he'll know to send me back an extra pair of shoes. Look, (laughs) if he wasn't so specific about, oh yeah, if I bury this, then hundreds of years in the future in this exact spot, K. Einstein, the guy I just met earlier today in the present, will be looking for it and, (laughs) okay, and we're... Not going to bring it up every time, but... <laughs> I like to think that Canine Stein was a smart enough dude to be like, Okay, Sonic's gone, I better go to that island to find out whether or not he needs my help. <laughs> oh, look, he needs me to send back the boots. I'm not sure how I'm going to, but there they are. <laughs> it's a cartoon. I, it's okay, I set the shoes on autopilot. Don't ask how that works. <laughs> <laughs> it's... 
Gee, I sure hope someone was fired for that blunder. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we are we are the geniuses at work right now. We, we yeah. give ourselves a little bit of a little bit of leeway. Is these are the only episodes with you know a continuity story? True. And I'm just saying, Sonic's time travel logic doesn't hold up to scrutiny. I, I'm just saying, there's a much better Sonic time travel story. This is not Sonic in the Fourth Dimension by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, probably leading into the next episode, we can just say a wizard did it. Um. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, basically, Sonic uses the new shoes, catches up to Robotic in the time stream, takes back the emerald, and buries it again. So it's it's fine. And by the way, his his uh his costume means that Zonic the Time Cop is canon now. So yeah, <laughs> that's what I thought of when I saw him. Yeah, and of course we have to end the episode on the obligatory Sonic says segment. To quote one of the greatest musical artists of our time, kids don't play with too many knives. Come on, come on. I legitimately thought of that when Me I saw that. <laughs> I read a note about. It. I appreciate telling kids don't play with knives, but I don't know how many kids are going to have encounters with like ancient pirate swords in their day-to-day lives yeah the setup is is little tales here straight up just asks black bot said dude can i play with your sword <laughs> and responsible pirate black bot is like no <laughs> <laughs> get away from me kids you bother me <laughs> and then sonic has to tie it into you know well kids you know there's knives around your house and don't use one without permission Meanwhile, kids are like, oh, I haven't thought about knives. You brought that into there my probably, house. <laughs> there probably are knives in my house. <laughs> so we jump into the second episode, and we're immediately into Robotnik Scratching Grounder traveling back in time to the Middle Ages to retrieve the Chaos Emerald of Invincibility. And uh, their first stop is to meet with Merlinx the Wizard. Another very good pun. I appreciate Haha. For for being supposedly the greatest wizard in the land, he's, uh, he's got some issues with uh, some of his spells. They're funny little rhymes that go awry almost every time. Eye of Newt, an ounce of Sprite, send to us a great big night. It's magic. <laughs> yeah, Merlinx refuses to uh, give the, uh, Robotnik the Emerald, but after a little coercion, ultimately he hands it over. Uh, ultimately, though, Robotnik can't actually use it because it's only only the king is allowed to use the powers of the Emerald or can access them. <laughs> I've tried to tell you, holding the Emerald is only half of the spell. In order to gain invincibility, you have to become king. King? Of what? Why, king of the hound table, of course. Remember that, folks, because it comes back later, but not in the way you think. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate that the first thing Robotnik does is like, I'm invincible now. Scratch, grounder, shoot me. I want to test it. <laughs> you dumbbots absolutely destroy me. <laughs> Grounder has like you know Grounder's like the Swiss Army knife of Badnik, so he's got like a little chest compartment with the laser. Scratch just has like a laser pistol on him that he pulls out multiple <laughs> yeah. times. I'm like, dang, Scratch keeps that thing on him. <laughs> he's always strapped. Scratch is packing heat. 
<laughs> but yeah, I love I love the clip of their blasting Robotnik who yeah. thinks he's invincible and he's his like, voice. Ha ha! Oh shit! So I I took that scene as like the emerald worked for like only a little bit, but like you have to be the king for it to work indefinitely. Oh, I just took it as like almost the like the laser blast was almost like slowly heating him up, and then he realized it was hurting him very badly. Scrambled eggs. (laughs) It's it's like when you accidentally like get a paper cut or something, and you don't realize it hurts (laughs) until you look at it and become aware of the fact that you know you got cut somewhere along the line. Uh, this is gonna hurt right now <laughs> yeah oh this isn't so bad oh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> so jump back to the future sonic is once again being beach horny <laughs> yeah he's he's uh bothering a girl who has buried herself up to the neck in sand um and then later it's uh realized that she's an octopus so we realize that sonic is horny he's just not tentacles horny oh <laughs> well, you know, everyone has their preferences. I'm sure there's a segment of the fan base that will easily disagree with that, but I know, well, it kind of goes back to uh, what was it the the second episode Breezy shows up in. She's like all gung ho and is in love with Sonic, and he's like, "Yeah, but babe, you're a robot." And it's like, "Damn, Sonic, you're so vanilla." <laughs> <laughs> well, he watched that episode of Futurama, and he found out the dangers of falling in love with a robot. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sonic is not a monster. F- that's a shame. Um, but of course we're gonna get like if we ever have an episode about that there's gonna be like a sonic says like no one wants to have your weird fetishes thrust upon them that's no good meanwhile in alternate universe sonic adventure sonic's going keep your fetish away from me you joke about this but kiryu literally said like this exact thing and i think yaga's a zero (laughs) (laughs) i'm just thinking of the uh, the baby the the baby's side mission oh man yeah He's like, yeah. oh man. Kiryu's a cool guy because he was like, he, when he realized what it was going on, he's like, you know what? This isn't my scene. This is not my scene. You guys have your fun. There is that perfect frame that gets passed around Twitter, especially from the, the Kiwami update, where it's the guy, you know, in the diaper stand up's like, let's pacify this bitch. And the look on Kiryu's face is just like, oh boy, this is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like resignation. It's not that he has to fight these guys, it's just like, I guess this is happening now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is happening. What am I supposed to learn from this experience? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, after Sonic is hog-blocked by Dr. K. Einstein again, he's immediately <laughs> off running back through time to the Middle Ages. Uh, which, by the way, like I, I had to like rewind it a couple times, and... Canine Stein definitely says invisibility. Whoops. Yes, multiple characters either jokingly or by mistake call this one, which is invincibility, invisibility. <laughs> and they just didn't roll it back. <laughs> just makes me think of a decap attack line where Max Decap had to say a big speech and it was like, You fool, I am Max Decap. I am invisible. <laughs> uh. Love that one. Sonic goes back to the Middle Ages, and he arrives at the castle of King Arthur of the Hound Table, because, of course... They're dogs. Jeffrey Scott loves his dogs! <laughs> <laughs> they meet uh, Arthur's daughter, Princess Gwendolyn, who takes her back to her father, who reveals that his Knights of the Hound Table are getting their butts handed to them by the evil, bloated knight. Robotnik is handily taking down all of these knights, because... Why would you bring a sword to a gunfight, I guess? 
They're looking for a hero with the will to fight the knight. Ah. Uh, also, uh, great. <laughs> the, love the the fat phobic humor throughout the Sonic franchise at this time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is. It's mean. I, I think the thing they always do, and especially adventures, is that make Robotnik like. What's the old note on uh, Milton Knight's concept art? World's sexiest fat man. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Is they, they go out of their way to really exaggerate that like Robotnik revels in his... <laughs> I love being. his self-confidence. It's yeah. His completely unearned self-confidence is rather attractive, actually. Anyway. <laughs> Arthur and uh, Gwendolyn believe that Sonic is the prophesied holy hedgehog that will save them, foreshadowing his forthcoming association with religion for a significant portion of the fan base. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just imagining oh, the Lord. image of Sonic kneeling down and praying now. <laughs> I don't have to imagine. I've seen it so many times. <laughs> Sonic the Crusader. <laughs> oh boy! Oh. But yeah, we get we get of course the obligatory slapstick fight between Sonic Robotnik and the Badniks. Uh, there's a great Robotnik catapult gag that I I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah, Sonic paints this uh, uh, bullseye for Grounder to hit. Um, and they use, and I know it's because a lot of these uh, uh, shows used like the same sound banks, but I swear it makes like this uh, almost like star twinkle uh, that I've heard in like Gundam before. Okay. <laughs> I love the the voice acting of the the alligator in the moat because he's just kind of like yeah, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like like I did just sitting in the room like okay, what sound does alligator have to make? Yeah, ultimately. Uh, Robotnik gets the upper hand by having Merlinx cast a spell to turn solid Sonic's feet into rock. Rotten cheese and smelly sock uh, turn hedgehog feet into a solid rock. Uh-huh. 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 Oh no! <gasps> I'm a slow-mo! Which I choose to believe was the inspiration behind Sonic Labyrinth, and you can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> The way, the way, the way Sonic reacts to this is he goes, oh no, I'm a slow-mo. <laughs> the, oh, the first thing I thought of was the, the complete failure for kids dub of Tokyo Mew Mew. Um, <laughs> where she's she's having a nightmare about being confronted by her crush for being, you know, a magical cat girl. And she goes, I'm a Mew Mew. <laughs> and i don't know why that's what i thought <laughs> so you know sonic having lost his feed basically wishes he was dead which leads robotnik to easily you know take him and tails captive and throw them in the dungeon that's all it takes to make sonic succumb to despair in this show apparently yep to lose his speed so Robotnik has officially usurped the crown, so now the Emerald of Invincibility has kicked in, and he's got, like, a super ripped muscle man bod now. Freaking buff Botnik. He, he has the power! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very much his, his costume looks like something straight out of a He-Man. Uh, uh, of course, he starts off by, you know, doing the same thing, having Scratch and Grounder test his invincibility just to show off. I believe at one point Scratch even refers to him as your masochistic miss. 
Yes. You dumb butts hurt me more. <laughs> yes, that's how I like it. <laughs> that's oh the joke. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of us who watch wrestling, how soon until uh, one of the wrestlers in AEW comes out in this specific buff botnik costume? <laughs> <laughs> Man, if only. Um, we've already had Sans Undertale, so... Yeah, I was going to say, Kenny Omega comes out with this Robotnik singlet and a huge mustache. <laughs> if anyone was going to do it, it's going to be Kenny Omega. Oh, for too. sure. <laughs> it, was actually, it was a really funny moment, actually, because uh, the, 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 the main announcer, Excalibur, was like, Kenny Omega brings, summoning the power of Sans Undertale. <laughs> and so Jim, Jim Ross, like, ain't, like seasoned announcer of 50 years and then it was like what in the hell is that <laughs> my god, <laughs> my god. One, one of us needs to just tweet the picture of Buff Robotnik at Kenny Omega just with the caption please make this happen I hope he does it like in an important championship match too <laughs> yeah. like at the end of like a really personal storyline he comes out as Buff Robotnik <laughs> Blasting the like fifteen seconds of Robotnik's theme from Adventures. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and tweeted. Did you just tweet it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if this was any other wrestler, it would go over the head. But Kenny Omega is yeah, like. Hmm. That's why I'm willing to take a chance. <laughs> anyway, uh, ultimately, Gwendolyn helps get Sonic and Tails out by making them chili dogs with iron files in the middle. Sure, why not? Cut through the bars. Then they track down Merlinx, who's still <laughs> screwing up his own spells, turns himself into a wheel of cheese, and Sonic takes a bite out of him. Yeah, he does. I was expecting him to I was expecting him to be missing a body part later on. <laughs> Sonic concocts a plan. The plan is challenge Robotnik to a jousting match. Real great clip of Robotnik reading this challenge note where he starts off very, like, distinguished and articulate reading the note and then gets very mad when he realizes uh, Sonic is insulting him throughout the whole thing. <laughs> Robotnik, the invisible ball of flab, is hereby challenged to a joust by the defender of freedom, the Holy Hedgehog. Holy Hedgehog? Why, that no good... If Sonic thinks he can defeat me, he's in for a big surprise. There's also uh, the scene where he's like skipping down the stairs to the dungeon. And as, <laughs> and as soon as I saw that, I was just like, oh, I think I've seen that as like either a gif or in like some YouTube poops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is another thing about rewatching these is realizing you've seen so many clips from old YouTube yeah. poops. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Sonic and Robotnik go to duel. They start with jousting on horses. But uh, yeah, what's up with these horses? It, it looks like a costume you would wear like over your waist. So yeah. it looks like it there's a horse. Is. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Because I noticed that the tail is a plunger. Yeah, I, I, is the joke. I feel like there's a joke and like they either didn't want to show like horses in danger or they just didn't want to animate real horses. <laughs> Maybe yeah. either See, way, it's uh, very funny. The horse head does look a bit like a ding dong. Yeah. <laughs> just putting that out there. Yeah, like these are definitely meant to be fake horses because if you look at the one that uh, Sonic is riding, Robotnik's has a plunger for a tail. Sonic's has a broom. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that might have been the joke is like, oh, Robotnik's too big for a horse. But yeah, Sonic also has a fake horse. So <laughs> I like the the bit of comedic timing where uh, Sonic um, spin dash splits Robotnik's lance in two and goes, what are you going to do without your lance, Robotnik? This! 
this? and pulls out like a laser rocket launcher. <laughs> I've seen that one out of, out of context a few it's, times. It's excellent. <laughs> Some real, really intentional, good comedic editing there. <laughs> it's a good gag. There's a lot of, I know I keep like bringing them up, but there's like a lot of really good Botnik lines. And um, I, I think before this match, there was one that I loved where I think it's either he's talking to Scratcher Grounder and he says, When I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. That's, oh, yeah. That is such a good line. I love yeah. it. Ultimately, Robotic loses the duel because Sonic manages to grow a cactus inexplicably that knocks his helmet off. And uh, Tails gets out the emerald and somehow. Tails just is able to utilize it to become invincible, which suggests to me that Tails is actually the true king of the hound table and Arthur's a imposter, a charlatan, if you will. Ah, yes. Robotnik doesn't realize the emerald's gone, still thinks it's invincible, gets very quickly proven wrong and left in his underwear because underwear humor. They like to put him in his underwear a lot. Then the badniks get beaten up by Turbo Tails. <laughs> yeah. Sonic ends up putting Robotnik and the Badniks back in the time machine and sending them off further into the past. Seems like a bad idea regardless of the intent, especially considering what happens in the next episode. Yeah. What it comes down to is like um Sonic is actually giving Robotnik a second chance more often than not, which seems irrelevant to our previous discussion, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's out of the the ingrained belief that uh, sapient creatures are inherently good in Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Ultimately, he leaves the uh, Emerald back with Arthur, heads back to the future. And we cap off on, as Sonic says, where Sonic says, don't swim alone or you'll get eaten by a shark. That's essentially what the message is boiled down to. <laughs> so the last note that I have for this episode, uh, I want to share because mostly I just want to see if there's anybody out there who gets the reference I'm about to say. So we can share in this serotonin experience. <laughs> uh, the lion uh, in the uh, gladiator ring that Robotnik and crew get sent to, the face and especially the hair makes the lion look like the yelling kid from the uh, the uh, animated show Hysteria. Oh my god, it does look like Loud Kiddington. My man! <laughs> Robotnik ends up back in uh, the Roman Coliseum, or I don't know, the Moman Coliseum, because... Mobius. Exactly. This is one of the instances where they explicitly start exactly where the last one left off instead of, you know, having like a transitional thing along the way. Uh, Robotnik Scratch and Grounder barely escape getting executed by Robotnik's own ancestor, Julius Robotnicus. <laughs> Gives the thumbs down and everything. I do love that Robotnik's like, we are saved! It is my ancestor! And just turns out he's got the exact same demeanor as Robotnik. No <laughs> chill. Nope. Thankfully, they escape to their time machine and travel back to ancient Mobygypt, which... Which I, I love that. <laughs> meanwhile, Sonic is once again being horny on the beach because it's a gag now. Yeah, he calls he, he calls this girl a beach bunny, but she looks more like a possum. Yeah, yeah. like a possum yeah. or a mouse. I mean, beach bunny is just a general term, but you'd think, like, in that case, they would actually make it a bunny. Yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, same scenario. Sonic strikes out, hog blocked by K9 Stein. Now he gets a uh, time traveling boogie board instead of a uh, pair of shoes. So now Tails can just ride instead of being dragged along. At this point in the third episode of this with the beach, I, I it started to cement in my head that we were just like a few steps away from K-9 Stein being Old Man Owl, and I really wanted that. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
uh, everybody winds up back in ancient Moby Egypt, where Robotnik and crew come across Sonic's ancestor, which might be my favorite of the naming puns, <laughs> Masonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> there he is, Masonic the Hedgehog, the fastest bricklayer in all of Moby Egypt. According to history, on this very day, Masonic will meet Penelope and fall in love. Love? Get me with a piston. I really like how all the characters are really swallowing their syllables to say Moby Gypt to real to make the word pun work. That this is it's Egypt, but on Moby. Exactly. <laughs> Get it, kids. Uh. I really want to believe that chili dogs existed in ancient Egypt because of this episode. So Robotnik reveals his whole plan here to get rid of Sonic is to find his ancestor, Masonic, um, and keep him from meeting um, Sonic's great, great, etc., etc., grandmother, Penelope, who is selling chili dogs in the town square. (laughs) (laughs) Which, uh, this is the episode that actually has some really uh, fun background character designs. A A lot in adventures, you get like random Mobians that are blobs with faces but here they actually went out of their way to draw some like funny animal characters and penelope has a really cute design she's like a pink a pink hedgehog um but doesn't look she's not a breezy recolor and she doesn't look like sonic yeah meanwhile you know we get a look at sonic's family tree that reminds me a lot of that Ken Penders draws Knuckles lineage image that goes around every so often with all the heads. I remember that. It's just 20 red echidnas, and yet Sonic's ancestors just 20 blue hedgehogs. <laughs> I don't know what makes me more uncomfortable is seeing like Sonic's family or like seeing that they're all blue, but that's just me speaking as a Sonic STC fan. Again, just <laughs> Oh, match. So Robotics' first plan to make this happen is to, you know, dress Scratch and Grounder up as sexy moby egyptian ladies and oh i i know the joke is real stupid it's oh it's the robot and drag but the way scratch hits this uh, where uh grounder's like hurry up scratch and he's like i gotta look just right so he'll be attracted to me (laughs) (laughs) he hits it so hard i love it Oh, no, Scratch lays it on thick this entire sequence, like, just coming in, like, How about taking me back to the cosplay and laying some bricks? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted Robotnik to feel like, You're not going out dressed like that. You have yeah. this. Yes, Green Slay. And I appreciate that Grounder is all in on the bit, too. Like, What? You're too good for my sister? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I I love our little dumb bots. Masonic is having none of it, so they just go with Plan B and hold him at gunpoint and kidnap him. <laughs> I I would just I would also like to point out that uh, Masonic has red and white sandals, which is a great touch. <laughs> Keeping it on model. Thankfully, you know that's around the time that uh, Sonic gets back to follow them, uh, manages to save Masonic from the badniks. But kind of screws things up on his own by getting in line for the chili dogs first because it took just a little bit too long for his taste. Masonic leaves, never ends up meeting Penelope, and Sonic literally back to the future is himself out of existence. <laughs> he just disappears. Sonic, you're fading away! Oh no! I just caused Masonic to miss the babe. That means I'm never gonna be bored! 
Now, that's, that's great. Did anyone else have a brief moment of terror at the thought that maybe Penelope would fall for Sonic? Like a Fry <laughs> oh, from Futurama kind of <laughs> Yes, <moment>. Sonic's his <laughs> own grandpa. I was real terrified that they were going to go full Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're right. He just <laughs> vanishes in front of poor Tails' eyes, who's genuinely horrified. <laughs> I feel like that was probably traumatic to some kids back in the 90s. <laughs> I know. It doesn't help that, you know, Tails is played by a real little kid in the show, and he sounds genuinely distressed. Yeah. <laughs> like, to his credit, though, there's only a few seconds of STC Tails going, I wish Sonic was here. What would Sonic do? <laughs> and then, thankfully, you know, he's immediately like, I know exactly how to fix this, and knocks out Masonic's falafel sends him back to the chili dog stand. I like that touch where Masonic says, forget this, I'm getting a falafel. (laughs) (laughs) My falafel. (laughs) And uh, Tails restores the fact that those two are going to bone. So that's cool. Yep. (laughs) Canonical proof that two characters in a Sonic the Hedgehog cartoon have banged and you can't tell us otherwise. (laughs) Literally impossible. I mean, that that brings Sonic back, right? That's that's what brings him back from (laughs) non-existence. He's like, whoa, what happened? It's like, you literally did not exist for those moments. That's fun to think about. He was literally like, where did I go? And (laughs) (laughs) I really don't want to think about the answer to that question too much. It was really hot and there's a lot of screaming and yelling. (laughs) I was going to say, I met the devil, Tails. He's ready for me someday. Oh my God. Sonic just falls to his knees and starts praying immediately. Oh my God. (laughs) Robotnik and company go with plan C. Kidnap the Pharaoh of Moby Gypt, tickle torture him. It's not the only instance of that we've seen in this show. No. <laughs> it seemed like the go-to for some for some cartoons. Like, oh, how can we make a torture joke? But it's not torture. Wink. Robotnik makes himself Pharaoh and forces everybody into servitude, building pyramids for him. While he works on translating hieroglyphics to find out the location of the Chaos Emerald. I love that, like, even this far into the series, Scratch and Grounder are still always vying for uh, for Robotnik's uh, affection and always trying to fight each other on, like, who's the real favorite. Yeah, they are kind of like siblings in that respect. I kind of like that. I appreciate their, uh, like, slight redesigns they got for this sequence. I mean, Grounder's, like, completely changed from, like, the neck down. I like it. And so what, what, what is it that he's referencing? It's, like, some mythical Egyptian creature. He's a sphinx, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, the actual, yeah, the actual sphinx. Yeah, I think Grounder's a sphinx, and uh, Scratch is supposed to be, um, now, now, is it Horus is the bird? Yeah, I believe that's right. Yeah, Horus is the bird, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that's what they're going for. <laughs> It's it's very it's very cute. I love those. All of my Egyptian knowledge is from either the Bible or Yu-Gi-Oh. So yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, Sonic and Tails gets captured. They're forced to build the pyramids alongside Masonic. Uh, but Penelope has been spying on Robotnik as they discover the location, which is, as it happens, in the tomb of Robotnik's ancestor, Robotnik Hotep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Uh, first pyramid level in Sonic that preceded Sandopolis, then, yeah. by the way. <laughs> uh, but full of Marble Zone elements, actually. Uh, yeah. I was very surprised by the little game references we had in here. Uh, Penelope ends up informing the others of where the Emerald is, and Sonic pulls another, you know, Back to the Future 2 and leaves a note for Professor K. Einstein to <laughs> send him back a hacksaw to cut through the chain. <laughs> It was a really vague note, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a hieroglyph of him uh, standing there, stuck, uh, chained up. 
really putting his faith in Dr. K. Einstein here. That's a smart dog right there. <laughs> That's a good boy right there. <laughs> I really like the animation in the cart uh, chase between Sonic and Robotnik. There's just a lot of really well-animated shots of kind of them doing the Fast and Furious. I do uh, like when Robotnik and crew make it to the secret pyramid, the way to the emerald uh, sarcophagus chamber is inexplicably a uh, special stage from Sonic 2 mixed with a Mortal Kombat game over screen. (laughs) (laughs) Both of those things. Gotta collect the rings before the timer runs out and you die. I love the gag of uh, them getting not enough rings. How did you know? One ring No sweat. Uh, Robotic and the Badniks take the trap-filled route. Uh, Masonic, Penelope, and our heroes take the shortcuts. Masonic's like, my grandfather built these pyramids. I know them the inside out. Oh, his family were slaves. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, no. They were contractors. (laughs) Independent contractors, of course. Not much difference. When Sonic and crew are going through the the pyramid trying to get to the, the tomb... Uh, it was here where I noticed like the the music in this episode, like the the special like not like sound bank music that they use for all the others, like the special music is pretty cool. I like it. Like in my notes, I wrote down that it, it kind of sounds like a mix between like that stereotypical Egyptian music that you would hear in cartoons, and then like a little bit of surf rock, and it just sounds really cool. I really appreciate it. There's some, there's some good incidental tracks. Uh, so ultimately, they reach the bottom of the burial chamber where Robotnik's ancestor, Robotnik Hotep, is buried. They find the emerald around his neck. Sonic and crew arrive at the same time, and his arrival basically causes Robotnik Hotep to revive thanks to the power of the immortality emerald. I just want to point out that Sonic's first act is go buzzsaw mode and attempt to murder this man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this mummy Robotnik. First thought, I'm going to cut through this dude. They're going to show me cutting through this dude, but it's okay because he immediately heals from it. Which really brings into the practicality of what is the difference between being immortal and invincible with these Chaos Emeralds? Because it seems like they're the same thing. Yeah. They cannot be hurt. It seems like the immortality one can do the invincibility thing and more, so... We, we do get a line from uh, Robotnikotep later where once the emerald is taken from him, he, th- <laughs> he thanks Robotnik and, you know, basically says, oh, thank you. You freed me from immortality. It was a living hell. And then he turns to a pile of dust. I know that that messed with me for a second. I was like, oh, he just straight up turned to dust. That could be a statement on the nature of immortality and no life should live forever. But it could also be that he, t- he literally like, you think I want to live with that bloom? menace from chasing me around it's like so he was literally <laughs> sick to death at sonic he would prefer to die than deal with a sonic's ancestor for the rest of the time yeah who also comes out of his own sarcophagus wearing an inexplicable fifth chaos emerald that's yeah. blue it's just an emerald to be fair <laughs> they did just say it's a chaos but it does give him the blue shield from sonic 2 yeah finally this episode in particular seems to have like the most game references of any of the things in the arc yeah, they put they pushed like a block earlier on into the lava, like in Marble Zone. I was yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to finding uh, Sonic's ancestor also entombed in there with his own immortality emerald, uh, they get it from Robot Hotep. Phew! Thanks for making me mortal again. But why should you want to be mortal? Are you kidding? 
who wants to be chased by a crazy hedgehog for a zillion, zillion years. <laughs> Finally, the sweet embrace of death. <laughs> Robotnik, he uses the emerald. He's invincible. He's invincible, immortal. There's really no functional difference because, once again, Sonic is like, I'm going to cut through this man. Oh, no, I cannot cut through this man. Let me try again. <laughs> I had come to terms with taking a life. <laughs> but that's when his ancestor gives him the... Uh, gem that gives him the blue shield and he gets the emerald mummifies Robotnik and crew sends them through a time warp again Uh, Masonic and Penelope get married ensuring the timeline safety Sonic and crew are head back to the present while committing one last act of vandalism on Robotnik's Sphinx no doubt further changing the timeline for the foreseeable future (laughs) just completely wrecking the time stream in every possible way it's fine it's fine it's okay (laughs) <laughs> also, speaking of speaking of that Sphinx that he defaces and makes better, in my opinion, <laughs> I, I I just want to make a general like animation note that I love that. And, you know, I don't think it's really a thing anymore in modern cartoons, but in older cartoons like that, you can tell when something's moved because it's brighter than the background. Yep, you can recognize the cell against the painted background. Uh, I forgot to mention earlier that that is uh, Kathy Westlook, Spike from My Little Pony, as the voice of Penelope. Oh, wow. There's further connection between MLP and Sonic, of course. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it never ends. And, of course, we end with our Sonic Says segment, which is uh, where proper safety equipment and also time travel is not real. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, like, we were talking, this it sounds irrelevant, but like before we were talking about how like we were trying to adjust to the... Early on in Sonic Adventure, we were adjusting to the idea that Tails was like a genius now, super smart and capable of things. This sort of stuff drives it home for me because we were seeing Tails in the cartoon was a dumbass. (laughs) He was constantly getting himself into danger. Uh, He's just a very stupid little kid. (laughs) Like every week he's up to something that nearly risks his life. He wants to touch. He wants to play with swords. He wants to drive and, and skateboard in the middle of a busy road. You know, he's, he's like uh, he wants to smoke. Yeah, he wants to, <laughs> he wants to smoke and drink. <laughs> oh boy! So this puts us into the final part of our arc. I forgot that we haven't actually been saying the uh, titles of these episodes as we've been saying them. <laughs> Blackbot the Pirate, Knights of the Hound Table, Robotnik's Pyramid Scheme, which is probably the best title. and then uh this last part prehistoric sonic which picks up right where the last one left off with robotnik and his baddies unmummifying themselves as they have been sent back to mobius war one i guess Uh, yeah (laughs) you know mw1 inexplicably being attacked by like the red baron (laughs) it's good to know that you know there were these such horrible atrocities happening in sonic's history as well uh, them just happened to mirror ours. Yeah, uh, gives a lot of rich history to the <laughs> to the world of Mobius. Yeah, rich, terrible, terrible history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these are the sort of things Sonic should be going in time to fix. Actually, <laughs> you're not wrong. So they managed to narrowly escape getting crushed by a tank, and Robotnik immediately puts them on a course to pick up the last emerald, which will give them the power to imbue anything with life. And Scratch inexplicably. Wants to be turned into a live chicken, which I, I'm i not sure really is advantageous over, you know, being a robot. Maybe I'm wrong in that. It's like the first bit of, like, character development for him, I think. <laughs> like, I can't speak from experience, but I would think that, you know, being a robot and having that extra durability 
might be a little more advantageous, especially given how things tend to go for real chickens. <laughs> I haven't had time to think about it, and I want a soul! <laughs> <laughs> I want to feel my heart beating behind layers of flesh! I do like uh, Grounders line, though. Yeah, and I can be a real whatever I am. <laughs> Self-actualization through chaos emeralds! <laughs> well, he has that throwaway line of the tank possibly being his ancestor, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I love. I love that. Isn't ground? Isn't ground like the actual grounder from the game, like based on a mole? I think he's this one is quite a bit of its own thing. I, I think so. Grounder in adventures seems to be modeled mostly after like a butt with trains. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the ultimate mode of transportation. <laughs> <laughs> Gas powered. Whoa! Someday everyone will be driving mobile butts. <laughs> yeah, you can, then you'll be really hauling ass. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the butt is always greener. I hope it's not. That's you know. <laughs> you might want to get that checked out. <laughs> we jump back to the future once again. Sonic is literally playing volleyball with actual beach bunnies this time. And we've come full circle, folks. And he is the blue ball. At least they they look like little Bubs bunnies, kind of, I think. And once again, Professor K. Einstein's like, Sonic, stop being horny. You have to chaos level to find. <laughs> and this time they do so on a time travel skateboard. The boogie board wasn't extreme enough, I guess. I like the skateboard better. I still love the shoes the most, but... The skateboard, the skateboard feels a little more in line, but that might just be because of, like, you know, city escape. But that's specifically City Escape um, classic version, if you think about it. Yeah, so Classic Sonic should be on a skateboard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Robotics, Scratch, and Grounder get there first. They arrive in prehistoric times where there is a volcano that the Chaos Emerald of Life is apparently inside. They're attacked by a pack of cave bears. Robotnik pulls out the Robotransmogrifier for the first time since that first episode, turns this T-Rex into... What Jeremy has rightly pointed out is basically the universe salamander from an early uh, Sonic the Hedgehog comic. <laughs> oh my goodness, you're right. <laughs> oh, I couldn't I couldn't help it. I think I remember that because that's the first issue Super Sonic is in. It's a very, very strange Archie issue. That's one of the ones I got to read because it was in Sonic Mega Collection. <laughs> yes. It was reprinted in the uh, first super special number three, I believe. I think that's right. <laughs> wow. Oh, goodness. But yeah, he looks like the universe salamander. <laughs> Robotnik uses the T-Rex to attack the cave bears. Sonic manages to take control of the T-Rex, and Robotnik's like, oh, well, more dinosaurs where that came from. Pterodactyl is now a jet plane, which looks like a... It kind of looks like the Egghawk, almost, from Sonic Heroes a little bit. Yeah, it's absolutely a Sonic Hero-style boss. Yeah, style. like, that is absolutely something that you could see game Robotnik piloting. So they make it into this volcano, and I feel like we've been saying inexplicably a lot, but there's no other way to explain <laughs> that a face just pops out of this lava, and it's revealed that there is a god inhabiting the core of this. Ma- magma the volcano god. <laughs> what a nicely animated god as well. Yeah. I was really surprised yeah. by this. It was really sound a little out of place with the rest of the what, design. What does it say about me that, I, that the first thing I see when this guy pops up is like, Megatox? I'm surprised you're the one who thought of that. That certainly didn't come to mind for me. That's DC fan. I know. I'm just as surprised as you. He pops up, says his one line, and then disappears for the rest of the yeah. episode. He basically, he basically says, you know, you can't take the emerald unless you're willing to sacrifice something. And, you know, there's the typical bit of, what are you going to sacrifice? I, what can you possibly stand to lose? 
And I love <laughs> Robotnik's face so much and the realization. I want to make that the next big meme. <laughs> it's so good. He is stone cold in this part. <laughs> he just drops the poor bad Nicks in there. And then Scratch and Grounder died. Actually, it's a good thing they didn't, that Scratch didn't become a real chicken. Because yeah. that would have been horrible. <laughs> Which I only just now realized that the, uh, the Chaos Emerald in the volcano is like a crystal that's grown in it yeah. so it's almost yeah. like ooh, like a proto emerald maybe that's why it has the power of all creation the original god that makes sense like uh the primordial soup kind of emeralds like kind of like <laughs> that i i love how like how much glee robotnik takes in dropping scratch and grounder too like sonic and company <laughs> show up and surround him and he's like Oh no, you've got me. I guess I'd better put my hands up. (laughs) (laughs) This is truly a Robotnik that revels in being a bad boy. (laughs) This is a Robotnik who revels in deriving as much misery from his incompetent buffoons as he can, but also has like a world's best boss mug on his desk. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, apparently... Killing Scratch and Grounder is just enough for Robotnik to be able to pull out the Chaos Emerald. It imbues him with the power of life itself, and he uses it to bring the lava to life, despite the fact that magma was already in there, and I guess not all the lava is made up of it. I I don't get it. Just a specific volume of magma. (laughs) I guess. I think that's another one where uh, rock monsters would have been too hard to draw. Yeah. I, I kind of wish they'd gone with rock monsters because, like, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief on a lot of things because goofy cartoon, but the thing that I can't truck with is he makes the lava into living lava monsters, and then they pick up Sonic and Tails, but they are visibly not third-degree burned, but then they hold them out over the lava as to threaten them into dropping themselves out of the stuff that they are already made of and holding them with an... Oh, they cool? Did they? Maybe they cooled really quickly. They just uh, they didn't look like it. I hate it. Uh, I don't know. I hate it. You try not to think. Imbuing them with life brought them to a a perfectly livable ninety eight point six degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> I hate it. I kind of defeating the purpose of even making lava men when you think about it. Yeah. I do like how we get a very rare children's cartoon where Sonic is buzzing through the lava monsters, but they're just reforming. And Robotnik um, uses the word kill. Nice try, Hedgehog. But as fast as you can kill them, I can bring them back to life. (laughs) Oh, gosh. How does it feel to murder, Sonic? <laughs> Are you going to have a character arc about this? <laughs> nah. <laughs> well, I've done this like five times already, this arc. This is nothing. I've killed a man before and I'll do it again. What's <laughs> 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 one Julie White to say something like that? <laughs> Your robots have sentience and I smile every time. <laughs> <laughs> the robot that, oh, he just, mur- just straight up murders these dudes they fall down dead and he's like oh did I do that <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it brings me I'm such the joy. righteous sword of justice <laughs> <laughs> while Sonic is busy dealing with the lava monsters Robotnik escapes with the emerald and starts heading back to all the times they previously visited which really like serves to add some real stakes to I did want to point out a funny little animation flourish is that Scratch and Grounder make it out of the volcano and they're encrusted with like dried magma and they're brushing them off. And then it's seemingly to save time. uh, Scratch just opens the the magma that's on his chest and takes it off like a shirt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like a vest. Robotnik and the crew take off. Sonic takes off after them. 
and they kind of go through the episodes in reverse chronological order. So they first go back to Moby Gypt, emerge in the tomb before the point where they did the original episodes. They literally go through like a lot of the same dialogue word for word from Robotnik Hotep, except this time Sonic manages to actually kill him. And Robotnik Hotep has like a chorus effect on his voice now. <laughs> that did strike me too. It's a little weird that they put the filter on in one episode, but not the other. Yeah. It's okay, they just forgot. Robotnik grabs the uh, Immortality Emerald, escapes, heads back to the Hound Table, gets that Emerald. Which again, completely circumvents uh, Merlinx's spell, and it just works. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't have to be king, whatever, (laughs) Merlinx. I'm actually technically Pharaoh from a previous escapade, so that still stands, (laughs) so royalty is royalty, I guess. A pharaoh and an emperor? I know, I know. I'm overachieving, but you know. Hashtag humble brag. <laughs> <laughs> I like how they go back to uh, Blackbot's island, and it doesn't matter at what point, because he's either not there and escaped a horrible fate, or he's there and he's dead because Sonic turned him to scrap metal. Exactly. <laughs> they pull out the last emerald. Sonic gets close to stopping him, but Robotnik stops him by using the life emerald to turn the chest into a mimic. It turns it into a crab, essentially. It's kind of cool looking. Crab! I had to do it. There you go, Richie. The crab chest grabs Sonic, keeps him inside himself, and Tails defeats it and frees Sonic through the power of heterosexuality. <laughs> <laughs> so they do escape and make it back to the present, where Robotnik has assembled all of the emeralds in a mighty necklace. Transforming him into... Supreme High Robotnik. And another actually, like, really well-animated sequence as well. And uh, it's basically Jafar at the end of... It's Jafar at the end of the Aladdin. It's big Jafar energy. I did notice that uh, Robotnik is never shown from the waist down as Supreme High Robotnik until he's changing back, which led me to just assume that, you know, his junk was just hanging out there the whole time. (laughs) That was the scariest part. (laughs) Robotnik freeballing massively. Uh, <laughs> He's just tripoding it this whole sequence. <laughs> oh, you you can guarantee that's a part of the how he wishes he would be when he's that big. He's... Anyway, Sonic and Tails get back to the present, but they are very clearly no match for Supreme High Robotnik, who grabs them and literally throws them so far and so hard that they wind up going back in time to the Big Bang, which is literally just a giant stick of dynamite that's about to explode. (laughs) I love that gag. It's a really good gag. It's also the only time the Big Bang Theory has been funny. (laughs) 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 Uh, This is a really silly cartoon. Yes, it is. It's just sort of what drives that point home. I like it. Thankfully, they narrowly managed to escape using the uh, time skateboard. And Sonic decides... All right, there's only one way I'm going to be able to defeat a massive uh, Robotnik like this. I'm going to write the playbook that will one day be stolen by Xehanort of Kingdom Hearts and just recruit a bunch of myself to... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Sonic ends up literally going back to all the previous episodes and pulling his past selves from each of them to create a five-man, each strong team of Sonics and Tailses. Which, again is almost certainly going to end up doing irreparable damage to the space-time continuum, but... It's fine. It's fine. 
there's nothing simple and clean about this plan. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my. How long were you sitting on that? Like one? a minute. <laughs> Super Supreme Robotnik gets rightfully deflated. He basically gets a chance to use all of his uh, emeralds in some form or another. But thankfully, Sonics have more or less a counter to every single possible permutation. So they manage to take him down, steal the emeralds off his neck. And mercifully, we get to see that, yes, he does actually have skull and crossbone boxers on. Technically speaking, you know, all of these Sonics are on his skateboards, which is wrong. But again, more car hand time travel than Kingdom Hearts. So I'm willing to let it slide. Oh, yeah, I didn't even notice that. You're right. <laughs> the the one thing that we're missing, and since they did throw in so many little references to the games, I kind of wish we could have gotten an animated little Super Sonic in some form. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think, oh, I think the okay. closest we ever got before Sonic X would do the real thing was, uh, you know, the last episode of uh, Sad AM with the Power Stones. and But, man, it would have been so cool and adorable to see a little uh, Super Sonic in Adventures. Yeah. Honestly, with the extent of the uh, the extent of Sonic's uh, powers from the game we got in this arc, seems to be the shield. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> slightly lower scale. <laughs> you know, it's fine. I'll take it. I, I really like uh, once once uh, Robotnik has like been defeated and he's laying on the ground. I, I think he gets like hit one more time, or I think it's just he shrinks down and then falls into the hole made by his own cratered uh, collapse. Yeah, <laughs> we've been talking about how Baldry is just like amazing as Robotnik, and it, it's fun to like get to hear the rare instance of Robotnik speaking in a higher register. I hate those! Dead chugs! Yeah. Because, like, it sounds like him, but it almost sounds like a completely different character, and it's just, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, Sonic hands back the emeralds to the other Sonics, sends them back on Robotnik's time machine, being like, okay, return all these to where they're supposed to be, then to tr- destroy the time machine afterwards. Things theoretically set back to the status quo but i still feel like given all the muck with the time machine things should be pretty irreparably damaged right now sonic trusting all of his ancestors to have the integrity not to succumb to the temptation of unlimited power (laughs) (laughs) and we leave off on our final sonic says where he says be careful with electronic devices or you might be electrocuted by a time machine See, I almost took this as a some corpo overlord saying to put this in so kids don't get it in their head that they have a right to repair their own electronics. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like, Tails, I can't believe you're there trying to fix that machine. You don't have that ability. <laughs> and you never will. You dumb idiot. You foolish child. <laughs> oh, man. So what did we learn? I learned that I still like this cartoon. It's pretty fun. Yes, we, we learned that this is actually like probably one of the better stretches of episodes of this cartoon and definitely worth watching if you just want some goofy fun. But also go read Sonic in the Fourth Dimension if you want an actually good Sonic time travel story. <laughs> True. I've got a copy of that here. <laughs> but like Luke said, if you want some Adventures of Sonic uh, Sakuga, there's a couple good episodes of that. <laughs> I do, I do really like Adventures of Sonic Hedgehog. I think, like of all the shows, it was one of the ones that got it like the closest to Sonic, uh, in terms of like you know the spirit, the game, the, the nature of the games, and at least they try to put stuff from the games in it sometimes, uh, with varying results. It's no Super Mario Brothers Super Show trying to fit every like <laughs> power up from the games, but and um, sound effect from the games, but it's there's an attempt. <laughs> 
like the modern shows obviously are much closer to the games because I think Sega has much more oversight and also they are doing much more like kind of direct adaptations of game material. But I think that Adventures is the cartoon that I have most come to appreciate more and more as time goes on. I have kind of flip-flopped on which of the two main cartoons I find it easier to go back to. Like, Sad AM is good in its own right, but I think I appreciate the stuff from the that the comics did with the Sad AM universe hmm. um, more than the original show. Because I think I think that first season at Sad AM is pretty solid, especially, you know, the the handful of VHSs I had as a kid had all season one episodes. But, man, that show kind of falls apart in season two. And, uh, you know, you talk about silly humor in adventures being hard to go back to. I think that the silly humor in Sad AM is like the hardest to go back to because they just kind of throw it in there. for Yeah, it's a, it's a little out of place. What if a character was French? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what if we did an entire episode based on him and his robot girlfriend? <laughs> what if Sonic and Antoine were roommates? That's a legitimate episode of everyone's uh, favorite dramatic show of Sonic. <laughs> but, you uh, know, not not dogging too much on Sad AM, but just saying, like, going back to these Adventures episodes, it was so much easier to just say, like, oh, yeah, this is the silly Sonic show, and it's still pretty fun. Yeah. It helped to, like, establish, like, various concepts that would actually end up being a part of Sonic. Like, I think both shows were doing the Chili Dogs thing, yes. but this is the one where, like, Robotnik has two sidekicks, bumbling sidekicks, and they're gonna be yes. his, the, the guys beside him throughout the show, and that's kind of, like, a recurring thing now in Sonic. Yeah, that's been, you know, going on with, like, Slate and Dingo, Deco and Boko, and finally, you know, kind of settling on Orbot and Cubot for all future media. <laughs> It's consistently one of my favorite aspects of Dr. Eggman is his lackeys. Yeah. Yeah. I think Eggman is Eggman, Robotnik, whichever version is best when he has someone to play off of. Yes. As menacing as he was, I don't think that, I think that Robotnik was not able to play off, you know, Snively and Cluck as well as some of the other Robotniks have off of their more comedic uh, sidekicks. It's it's extra funny when it's literally uh, robots that uh, Robotnik or Eggman has made with his own two hands. Yeah. So any frustrations are like <laughs> him manifesting his own shortcomings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually interesting seeing like these little character moments of Scratch and Grounder throughout this arc uh, that never really led to anything, but they were fun anyway. Yeah, I guess that more or less brings us to the end of this episode. It's been fun revisiting this cartoon, and I hope that this has encouraged all of you to go watch these episodes and maybe check out a few others while you're at it. It's a very accessible show. You can easily find free legal ways to watch it, so go check that out if you get a chance. You can find me at Cyberlink420 on Twitter, and of course subscribe to Sonic F-Series on YouTube, the series we all work on together. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Great Job Jeremy. That's G R and the number eight. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube under Rock the Jake. And you can find me all in all sorts of places, including Twitter at Falero. That's F A U L E double R O. I wish I had a little jingle like Demon Tomato Dave does with his one. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> I need to get that down pat. Well, that's so- that's something for a future episode. And speaking of future episodes. We're mixing things up again for our next one. Next time, we're planning on doing a deep dive on some of the lore bibles that were 
sent out for licensors and media adaptations by Sega of America back in the day. So we're going to take a look at like the original lore Bible with Sonic as the reincarnation of a dead fighter pilot. It's complicated, yes. but that we're also going to look at uh, Stay Sonic, which is the thing that ultimately informed a lot of the UK exclusive fiction. Like a lot of Sonic the comic, the novelizations are rooted in this piece. So definitely is worth checking out. We're, I'm looking forward to kind of looking back at how Sega was interpreting Sonic at that time and trying to see what their vision was for Sonic as a character and as a brand at that time. Yeah, it's the American Sonic ideal that more translated over to the UK than it did like America itself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's fun. It's going to be a fun one for me in particular. Uh, educating you guys on all this sort of stuff. So. All right. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Also, AOSTH did took nothing from that, except for maybe Mobius. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Same with Sad Edge. It'll be real interesting to go and read, like, the actual sources to things that basically boil down to little bits of trivia that I would pick up from, like, other fans, where it'd be like, oh, did you know in, you know, the UK, they Sonic started out as brown and whatever, or, you know, stuff like that. And to actually mm-hmm. see, like, where all that came from is very fascinating. Guess what? It came from America. <laughs> you guys are to blame. <laughs> like most of the world's problems. left highway. And special thanks, as always, to Amy Waters for the use of our theme song from the album Gotta Go Slow. You can check out more of her work on YouTube and Bandcamp. Please do. Until next time, I'm Cyberlink. I'm Game Buddy. I'm Rock the Jake. And I'm Falero. And the tip is, always buy new shoes in the afternoon after your feet have expanded. (laughs) Words to live by. Ba-na-ba-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-ba-na-